0: you turn with me for our reading in God's Word this morning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 5 through to 25. Luke chapter 1 from verse 5. And just as we begin, I have on my heart to bring to you today Uh, an Advent theme, and we're going to be thinking about two amazing announcements that were given in in preparation for the birth of our Saviour. Both of those announcements uh, come directly from God himself and are made through the angel Gabriel. Now the angel Gabriel is only mentioned four times in scripture, twice in Daniel and twice here in uh, Luke and on each occasion they have something to do with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and as far as we're concerned this morning, well and this evening God willing, They come to unlikely individuals. The first comes to a childless old man, Zacharias. His wife is past childbearing. And yet, there is a wonderful message given to him and through him to Elizabeth, his wife. The second comes, obviously, to a chaste young virgin. Her name is Mary. And she is betrothed to a future husband. And again, both of these messages from God through Gabriel mark an impending change in God's covenant relationship with his people. The first marks the end of the old covenant dispensation between God and his people. That was John pulling the Uh, Old Covenant teaching and ministration towards a close. While the second moves on and marks the inauguration of the New Covenant dispensation between God and his people. You'll see that as we go through, but I just want to uh, give you some idea of where we're going, God willing, today. And I don't intend to look at the people So much today there's a lot we could learn if we thought about Zacharias and Elizabeth Mary and Joseph nor do I want to look particularly at the circumstances surrounding the announcements but I want to home in and simply focus on the announcements that the angel Gabriel makes and that is the the heart of the Christmas message the announcements of Gabriel this morning to Zacharias and this evening, God willing, to Mary. So let's read from Luke chapter 1 and from verse 5 through to 25, where the angel comes to Zacharias. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years." So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the lords. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. (coughs) And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time." And the people waited for Zacharias, and marvelled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now with God's help let's turn to his word together and turn to that passage that we've just read from Luke chapter 1. And we're going to home in on verses 13 to 17. Verses 13 to 17. We've already read the verses, so I won't read them again, but just have your Bibles open and let's be instructed from God's Word together. Well, in this first of the great visits of Uh, The angel Gabriel in the (laughs) Advent story, as I put it like that, we are gathered around this man Zacharias. And he is in the temple and he is, uh, as a priest, it is his responsibility to offer incense at the time of worship. Now Zacharias and Elizabeth, his wife, had long been praying for a son. And it appears that in their old age, they are now without hope of producing an heir, someone to follow on in Zacharias' footsteps in the priestly office in the temple. And now, here he is in the sacred place of the sanctuary, In the temple, and he is just going about his routine responsibilities. And he is confronted by an angelic messenger. And it is that messenger, Gabriel's message from God to Zacharias in the seclusion. He's all alone, there's no one there but him and the angel, and of course, God who is. (coughs) overseeing it all. There's only himself there doing his duty. And yet, what we go observe is simple, very simple, easy to understand, but very profound. And the first thing I want us to notice is that Zacharias... Is going to bear have a son. He's going to have a son through his barren wife Elizabeth. There it is in verse thirteen. The angel says to Zacharias. He's trembling. He's confronted with an angel, and you read through the Old Testament, and when angels appeared, men trembled. A messenger from God, not just any messenger, but a messenger direct from God, as as Gabriel says himself. And he says, don't be afraid, Zacharias. You've been praying. And up to this point, you're an old man, your wife is an old woman. And up to this point, it doesn't seem as though your prayer has been heard, does it? But it has been heard. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer for a son, and your wife will bear you a son, and you are to call his name John. That's the essence of the proclamation. And in his understandable fear, the angel tells him not to be afraid. Don't be afraid of me, he was saying. Don't be afraid of the message that I am bringing you. I have been sent, verse 19, from the presence of God to bring you this message. A message for you and a message for your wife. You are going to have a child together. And, as one who has served faithfully over the years, one who has prayed consistently, when this child is born, you are to give him a name. Not a name. We know when John was born, and he was called John, the neighbours and the friend family said, Not John, that's not one of the family names. But he is to be called John. That's what you're to name him. Not because you've chosen it, but because God requires it. Just think about that name for a moment. It's a very significant name. Well, as we look back, yes, obviously it was a significant name. But it would mean something to Zacharias. John. In its Hebrew form, it would be Johannan. And it would have a meaning. And probably a meaning that Zacharias would be able to understand. What does John mean? God has been gracious. God has been gracious. Isn't that a lovely name? God has been gracious. God has been gracious to you, John and Elizabeth, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. God has been gracious to you. You've prayed and you've prayed, and God has heard and He's answered your prayers. That answer is coming, and you are to call him, God has been gracious to us. And in essence, because of Zechariah's situation as a priest, he would have some idea of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Saviour. And essentially, when this name is given to that child, the one foretold throughout the Old Testament, with a particular responsibility which Zacharias would know about, when he is named, God has been gracious would be proclaimed throughout the area. Wherever he lived, wherever he came from, the people would know God has been gracious. You see, this child is to be the New Testament Elijah. Though he won't be Elijah himself, he will be the fulfilment of Elijah. What does Elijah mean? Names are important. Elijah means my God is Jehovah, my God is the great I am, the great covenant making and covenant keeping God. And when you read the life of Elijah, that shines through in all the every aspect of his ministry as a prophet. But now the New Testament Elijah has come. His name is John. God is gracious. (coughs) And this child is going to grow up and he's going to proclaim, isn't he, the grace of God. He's going to be one who is going to speak of the covenant nature of God. (coughs) He will be the fulfilment of all those Elijah prophecies. Behold, says Malachi, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And this is what he will do. And this is what John was going to do. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In essence what is being said there is when this child grows up he will declare not a message of hopelessness he won't pronounce a curse like his own namesake did so often but he will pronounce a blessing he will declare the faithfulness of God in bringing And sending a saviour. And he will be the one who will stand on the bank of the Jordan. And say behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His name is God has been gracious. And he's going to prepare the very substance of God's grace. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he's preparing the way for the arrival of the New Testament, Elisha. And Elisha means, God is salvation. So here is the one, God is gracious, or has been gracious. God has been gracious in sending this Saviour. The one who is God himself at work in humanity, saving his people from their sin. Messiah's name, Jesus. John is going to point to Jesus, which in itself means God, my Saviour. He is going to proclaim the Saviour. God's grace manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you put these two names together, John and Jesus, what a wonderful connection there is, isn't there? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's grace demonstrated in God's Saviour. But the message doesn't end there. That's not the sum and substance of it, but that is what it's all about. Because this Son is going to bring joy. He's going to bring joy In verse 14 you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. Isn't that an amazing thing? The days were dark. Very dark when John was born. There had been no prophet for 400 years. No word from God. (coughs) The Roman Empire was at its peak, or virtually at its peak. And the people, God's people, were downtrodden. It was darkness. There was anything but joy, anything but gladness in the situation. But when this child is born, John is born, he who says by his very name, God has been gracious... Many will rejoice over him. You, Zacharias, and your wife Elizabeth will have joy and gladness that you've got a son, but all the people around will rejoice because of this son. Is that not an amazing thing? He will formally announce the Lamb of God. They will be filled with joy and gladness. Hence that wonderful song at the, towards later on in this chapter in verses 41 to 45, Elizabeth's song. Hence Mary will sing her great magnificat. Think of the joy that's coming. Jesus has not yet come. But there's already a joyful anticipation because the forerunner has come. The one who is going to prepare the way for the Saviour. The one who's going to declare the Saviour's presence. And John will not only bring joy into the darkness, joy into the lives of Zacharias and Elizabeth, but he's going to be special in God's sight. In verse 15, he will be great. This son of your Zacharias is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be very special in the sight of the Lord himself. He's going to mean a lot to his parents, but he's going to mean a lot to the Lord himself. So, Zacharias... You've got to set him apart publicly for God's use right from his birth. He shall neither drink, drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is going to be a special child. From his birth. He's got to be placed under the Nazarite vow by his parents. From birth, he's got to be treated as someone special. Because he is God's gift, named by God, to do a work for God. And that was going to happen right from the outset. (coughs) But something even more amazing will be evident in this son. He will not only be set apart for God, but from his mother's womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. When Mary came, later in the chapter, to visit Elizabeth, Something happened, didn't it? Elizabeth was already carrying John. And something happened. That child in her womb responded to the presence of Mary. The babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's there in between verses 39 and 46 when the the two women came together. But this is before that happens. This is before Elizabeth is even expecting the baby. From the moment of his conception he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Oh, this is a special child with a special work commissioned by God. And that commission is revealed to some degree by the angel. God was at work in the temple that day. In a unique and wonderful way. What was happening in the seclusion of the holy place in the temple as this angel visits Zacharias? God was at work in that place, in that moment. The divine purpose planned in a past eternity in the mind and decrees of God, was beginning now to unfold. The words of the prophets over all the preceding years are now beginning to become plain and made clear. God was now openly on the move in the salvation of his people god was at work beginning after all those years of the old testament types and shadows all those years of darkness without a prophet and god has broken in in the in the temple in jerusalem Because this isn't only going to affect the Jewish nation. This is going to impact upon the whole world. Because the one that John is going to introduce to the public, if I can put it like that, there at the River Jordan when he says, Behold the Lamb of God. He's going to say that he is the saviour of the world. And the day is going to come. When there's going to be a new song sung. In heaven. And there will be representatives. From every nation. Every tribe. And every language. And every people. Extolling the Saviour that John was the first to point to and say, behold him. But there's something else. There's a third aspect of this wonderful revelation, this wonderful message and announcement. John's birth is going to have glorious consequences. Glorious consequences. And it's not a man saying this to Zacharias. This is all part of the angelic message. You are going to bear a son. He is to be called John. God is gracious. You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice. At his birth, he is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And now look, listen in verse 16. He is going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This remarkable child, Zacharias, is going to do four things. As the one spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. He is the forerunner of the King of Kings. The King of Kings. He is to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low the crooked places shall be made straight the rough places smooth the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the lord has spoken he this child John is to be the great forerunner of the king of kings he will be the Elijah as I've hinted behold says the prophet I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord before the ultimate conclusion of time A forerunner is going to come and the Son of God, the Lamb of God is going to come and your son John is going to point him out and many of the children of Israel will be turned to the Saviour. John will call to repentance over sin. He will point them to the Lamb of God who takes away that sin. He will call the disobedient sinners to the wisdom of the just, to Christ who of God is made unto us wisdom. And isn't that what John did down by the Jordan and in his ministry? And it wasn't long after he had Prepared the way. Turned many to the Lord their God. Made ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then God would remove John from the scene. We don't understand that perhaps. Surely John could have had a much longer, much more effective ministry. No. He will do what God would have him do, no more and no less. He will prepare the way for the Son of God, for the Messiah. And his latest words would be, He must increase, I must decrease. He must have the glory, I'm stepping back. His work was done. So, this morning, John, whose name means God has been gracious, proclaimed the gospel of God's grace. And that gospel of God's grace has been proclaimed ever since. And it's proclaimed today. Praise God, preachers today are still going forth With the same message that John held forth Behold the Lamb of God who is taking away the sin of the world. It was John's joy to fulfill his calling. My friend, what is your chief joy? What is my chief joy? Have you turned from your sin? In repentance and put your trust in the Son of God. Whom John proclaimed. What was his message again? Behold the Lamb of God. The Saviour. The promised one. Who will take away the sin of the world. Have you come to him? And have you come to him? Realising your sinfulness and your fallenness. Have you come to him and put your trust in the one that John proclaimed? The one that you have had proclaimed to you in this very room for many years? We can go back. Others have come. They have proclaimed the word and they have gone. And so the cycle continues. They're not all John. He was unique. He was the forerunner. But those servants of God whom you have heard and preached the gospel to you, what have you done with that gospel? What did they do with the gospel in our Lord's day? How many rejected it? How many rejected him? And it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah In the day of judgment. Than for those. Who heard and rejected the gospel. Oh my friend this morning. You have heard the gospel. Have you turned from your sin. And put your trust in the saviour. Whose birth we remember and celebrate. At this time of year. Are you rejoicing in him. Where's your joy going to come from this Christmas? Where is your joy? I'll tell you where my joy is. Yes, I rejoice with my family. But my joy comes from the Lord. That's where my joy is this Christmas. And that's a lasting joy. And you can have that joy too. That joy, many will rejoice at his birth. Are you going to rejoice? Not at John's birth, but at Jesus' birth this Christmas time. Listen to Gabriel's closing words to Mary. Perhaps we are disheartened today. We look at the world in its fallenness and we say, where's the joy? The joy that they should be enjoying. Well Gabriel spoke to Mary (coughs) and his closing words to her as we shall see this evening were very simple words. With God nothing will be impossible. Zacharias it's not impossible for your wife to bear you a son. It's not impossible for the priesthood in all its obscurity at that particular time should Be used of God still. It's not impossible. That my words to you. Zacharias should be fulfilled. And that your son will turn many to the Lord. And it's not impossible. For you and I. To proclaim the good news this Christmas. And others to turn to the Lord. It's not impossible. Let's rejoice. Zacharias had a wonderful message. From an amazing messenger. He believed. And we find him singing. And praising God. Later on in the chapter. Because. He believed. What the Lord had said. We say yes. He was was full of unbelief. Yes it looks like that. But. But. He still fathered a son. Even though it seemed incredible he was incredible, it seemed impossible. It still happened. It was God's purpose that was fulfilled through him to being the forerunner of the Saviour. Let's pray.